Hello and welcome to Gaze Making. I am Grayson Hay and we are here to talk about art. Today I have a wonderful artist that I've known for a little while now. His name is Duncan Menzies and he is a very well-rounded artist. We met during a play and I am super excited to be able to sit here and talk to him about his art projects and kind of what he's been doing um, during COVID. So welcome, Duncan. How's it going? Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I feel honored to be on the podcast. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so I like to usually start off the episodes with just having you talk about you as an artist, like what kind of what motivates you and, you know, for the things that you're creating currently. So like, what are your motivations for your projects? And then that will move on into actually talking about the projects. Cool. Well, I would say that like over the past year, how what inspires me or what I can do is completely changed. And I think in a lot of ways, all for the better. I think that for me personally, COVID was a blessing in, in disguise. I was living in Seattle before that. And as you said, like we were trying to show like probably four months before everything um, went down. And so I had a different tra trajectory. Like I was going to travel more for work and do performance stuff. Uh, and I do modeling. And so those are all on the side. And so when everything shut down, those things weren't going to happen anymore. So it forced me to really evaluate what do I really want to do? Not just what do I want to like put on my resume, like what are cool accolades or fun projects to do or things that pay. And that was like most of the projects in Seattle. So it, it forced me to be like, if I have unlimited time and a fair amount of resources, like what kind of art would I produce? And so answering those questions kind of changed figuring out what I really want to do, kind of nice. narrowed that down to doing doing devised cabarets and making art out of bedsheets. <laughs> Two things that I <laughs> didn't imagine, but felt yeah, right. Yeah, well, let's, let's actually dig into the Bedsheet Chronicles. This was, I think I contributed to it, like, I, I want to say it was like weeks before COVID shut down, I think. Yeah. So we, went to that, we went to that dance show. Yes. And, so um, good. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that was that Thai place. Thai place? Yeah. I don't remember. It was like, I think it was, yeah, a Thai vegan place. And uh, yeah, and I gave you a bedsheet to contribute to your, to your bedsheet chronicles. So why don't yeah. you give us a little kind of brief synopsis of what that is and we'll just go from there. Great. Cool. Yeah. The bedsheet chronicle started in the summer of 2019 when I was living in Seattle. And I'm sure if anyone who listens to this is from Seattle, then they know what the Seattle freeze is, or how people moving into the city finding hard finding it hard to make those more long term connections. And I think kind of in this industry, like performing arts, like you're you see see people almost every day for about two or three months, and then and then you just you know move on, which is like the natural progression, which I totally get and which I kind of like, but I wanted to create more meaningful relationships. And so I think one way to do that is asking deep questions to people and having an excuse to do that. And I can remember times in my life when I was growing up where if I had a, like a romantic relationship or a mentor that I really respected or just a friendship, like it inspired me to 
to create something either for them or to memorialize that relationship when I was younger. And I realized that I just don't, I just don't do that as I get older. Like you meet so many people or you have so many great connections. It's hard to like slow down and create something from that. So that's a little bit of how this started. So what it is, is I meet with someone and I pose the question, what do you cover in life? And then they give me a bedsheet. And I feel like the bedsheet's a symbol for a lot of things like what what we cover up and the bed is the, a symbol of where we go to rest. Like it's a very vulnerable space where we go for intimacy, all these things. So I feel like making that the the main part of the art project, I think is lots of things to work with. And it's been a real blessing to sit down. It's amazing how when you sit down with people and you just hold space and listen, how vulnerable people get. I mean, I really remember our conversation and it was so good and so deep. And there was just such a, your specifically your story with the bedsheets was very, those bedsheets meant something very important to you. And so it's just been great to explore that with other people too. So nice. So like, so obviously you, you take the bedsheets and I've seen some pictures of, of what you do with them, but is the, is the project more about the connection and the stories more so than the actual like physical things that come out of it for you? Yes, I believe so. I think the actual pieces, you want to be able to act, to look at the piece and being like, oh yeah, that's from this story. So I think taking the interviews and dramatizing them and then people putting people in a space with lots of the pieces, I think create more of an experience rather than like trying to illustrate each story. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will say like I I do remember our conversation quite quite well too and I think I ended up like opening up to you more than most people that I've met that actually don't know my ex and uh, cuz usually I just I don't like talking about that to new people because it's like, well, that's my past and I'm looking to my future. And so I think it was very therapeutic and cathartic for me to contribute to con- contribute the the physical aspect, like the, the duvet cover that we shared for 15 years or whatever. Yeah. And as well as just like opening up and like, I have a problem with vulnerability just in general. And so like you definitely created a space where I felt safe to do that and i think that that's a really powerful thing that you can do just knowing you for i mean i think we've only known each other for like a year but knowing you for um the amount of time that i have like i i sense that in you um, oh man thank you that that means a lot i feel like i feel like also that's what i want to do with the stuff that i create create like a vulnerable safe place for people to experience and and to to see and be seen. I love it when like I go to theater and there's something that like spark when you see someone like, I don't know what it is. Like they're not, it's not the same story that they're, they're not telling my story, but I feel something inside that reminds me of myself. And I feel like those are the moments that, you know, the magic moments where like, do you want to talk about that and share it with others or, or reflect or I think that's the kind of, the power of art that could change people. Yeah. So, yeah. I think definitely. the dance show that we saw that kind of definitely did that for me too. It was just very, um, yeah. I'm trying to remember hard to I describe. 
Yeah. Well, and I should have looked up, like trying to remember what it was, but basically it was this, like the, it was a trans man, his first choreographed show where he did all of the choreography. And then he was also the, you know, one of the lead dancers and it was an exploration of gender. It was extremely moving, like just yeah. How he, yeah. how he explored the, his feminine side with, he had a female dancer that he worked with and then a male dancer and exploring this really like athletic, like primal side. And it was just, yeah. it was cool to explore those things through dance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was, I think the first time that I've seen a show like that, you know, I've seen lots of dance shows, but like something that was quite that like personal and cathartic and yeah. like not, I mean, intimate. Yes. But like, moving I, I i don't think i've ever been moved quite um the same way by a dance show so. yeah yeah i would say yeah he was very vulnerable and transparent yeah so with the bedsheet chronicles is this are you still like is it still ongoing how um, so how have you how have you managed that with with covid and like quarantine and all of the like just the necessary social distancing that, that's happened. Well, it's, I feel like it's the perfect project for me during quarantine because I made a friend last summer. He opened his wood shop to me. So I go over there and work on projects. And I have, and I have. if you look behind me, so I have a closet full of bed sheets. So I'm kind of, I don't need that. I mean, I, I want to do more interviews with people and get more bed sheets and hear stories and that kind of stuff. But I have enough materials to keep me going for a long time. <laughs> and yeah, so it's been pretty relatively easily. And also being in Idaho, restrictions can have kind of lifted. And so, but it doesn't affect how, I mean, if everything was closed up, it wouldn't affect me doing this project, which is really nice. I feel like I could go another year with being closed up and being like, Hey, I have I have projects to keep me busy and a creative avenue to invest my energy into. So it's kind of nice that way. I do have good news though. I'm uh, networked with a place in Post Falls, Idaho, to do an exhibit next January. Oh, um, nice! So I'm super stoked about that to create a create a, create an experience, kind of what we talked about, safe vulnerable space where part of the, part of the project is going to be multimedia. So do like voiceover dramatized one of those interviews. And then I put like video samples together that kind of illustrate what's being explored in the, in the interview or in the person's backstory. And so that's going to be a part of the exhibit people to walk in the space and experience it that way. And then also uh, another part of the, the inspiration, and I know I've talked to you about this, is the Celtic tradition of Clutie Wells in Scotland. And so that that tradition is an ill person. Someone would take a cloth from an ill person and go to these holy wells that are in Scotland and Ireland. They would dip it in the holy well, make a prayer, and then tie it to these hawthorn trees next to the wells. And so there's just these trees that are covered in this cool fabric. And legend has it as the fabric decays so the illness decays in the body but it, it's become also tradition to just go to these wells and make a wish or a prayer and tie the fabric to a tree so i want to put a metal tree in the center of the exhibit and have people write what they cover on sheets of fabric and then they can tie it nice. to the tree 
Yeah, that'll be really, that'll be really, I, I think I, I like the, the bringing people into the, into the experience and making them a part of it as well as an observer. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's really a fascinating take on it. And yeah, I was wondering if you were like gonna then let like take the tree outside and let the fabric rot or are you, what are you planning to do with the, with it oh, afterwards? I, I haven't even thought about what I would do with the tree afterwards. I was like, maybe, I don't know. I'd have to talk to, that'd be cool if I just put it outside uh, of a space for a long yeah. time, see what happens with it. Yeah. Cause it would be kind of interesting to see both the fabric rotting as well as like, if it's, if it's like iron tree, then the rust adding to the, adding to the decay. Yeah. Kinda like that. I kind of like that idea. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool to do a series of kind of like artificial decay. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to wait five years for the <laughs> fabric to run away, but if I could Fair find enough. a process to kind of, you know, make it look like it was decayed six months or a year or two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's in January of next year. Yeah. Nice. You'll have to send me information about that so that I can, Absolutely. Uh, come see your bedsheet. <laughs> yeah. Come do a road trip. Like, yeah. Um, I love road trips and Idaho is not that far away from Seattle. So yeah. 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 Just four and a half hours. Yeah. Crazy. That's it's like, I drove that to get my first vaccine. It's I crazy. had to drive out to Yakima to get mine. Wow. Um, yeah. Mm, so, I was on a short list, so I didn't have to wait too long. Uh, yeah. No, I'm perfectly healthy so i was on the bottom of the list basically yeah so so you've got like a year of of bed sheets worth of of project but i hear you have another project that you're working on uh, actually two more but let's talk about the first one the one you said you only briefly mentioned that it's something about masculinity so i'd love to hear mm -hmm. kind of a description of that one yeah yeah so this is the same bed sheets but it's kind of like a series so the last series okay. was called inner beauty and I've been I've been going into the steam room a lot and I have like that's where I go into my like flow state or get ideas for things. And I went in the steam room at the beginning of January and just had this epiphany about my mom's upbringing and just this understanding that I didn't have before of how she was raised and how that's informed who she is and how she parents and how she just moves through the worlds. And so I wrote a story from that and I realized that like, oh my gosh, like these, these pieces represent that all about exploring inner beauty and how when we are seen by, truly seen by someone else, it brings freedom. And we don't, we don't realize our own selves unless someone else tells us kind of when you fall in love and they're like, oh, wow, I love these things about you or la la la. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that I, I was those things. I didn't appreciate those things until someone else appreciated them inside me. And so I don't know, it, it came from that, which has been, so, I think the most rewarding art that I could do, like understanding my parents or understanding myself or she's, I didn't know if she'd be like proud of it or insulted by it because it was pretty me exploring lots of vulnerabilities in, mm -hmm. in her, but she's blessed by it and she'll like show it to her friends. And that's cool. 
And so I want to do one with my with my dad about his upbringing and his relationship with his own father. I have a I have a wonderful relationship with my dad. He's a great, sincere, very humble man. He grew up in a very small town outside of Lake Stevens in Washington, in this lumber town, um, and just worked a lot, small city. And just didn't have a father that was very affectionate towards him. And like kind of the ideas around what makes us proud, like as men, like to to finish, to feel accomplished or to get a task done or like to conquer, I don't know, a weight or a task, a mountain or that kind of stuff. Like exploring those things and how it relates to relationships with dads or our own relationships with being a man. So I like that because I feel like so much when you say the word masculinity, people like get super defensive. I'd be like, I think of like this American masculinity that's super, I don't know, love football, beer drinking, wing stop eating like macho bro dudes. Or they think of, I don't know, maybe a European masculinity of like metrosexual bond. Yeah. So I just want to touch it on a more sincere basis of, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. But. Okay. So it's, a, it's basically a continuation of the Betsheet Chronicles just from a different um, viewpoint or yeah. a different like focus. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Nice. So how do you, like, how do you see it being presented differently than the inner beauty version? Yeah, I think that, I think it still has to do with light of exposing things within ourselves. So I like that symbol of like the light shining through just, just a lampshade. I, I keep on saying myself to myself, like, I love lamp, <laughs> like from Anchorman. <laughs> when he doesn't know what to say. That's just my motto. I just love lamp. But I think how it looked differently is I want to have a few designs of kind of like a staircase lamp. And like that's in, in symbols of like rising and achievement and always being after the success and this kind of stuff. And then I have another one where I want to geometrically make it look like the rays of the sun. And it's, I don't know how I, I'm a podcast isn't the best for this because I'm like, no, I don't know I, how to explain this to someone. You'll have to see it in January. And then lots of use of like nuts and bolts and kind of like more of this raw materials. So I think, yeah, that's how it's different. Okay. So kind of combining both the, the, like the imagery of like the progress and the, and the, the light um, shining through and the, and the organics, uh, like the organic material of the bedsheet with the harder, more like faceted, like, tools of the trade i guess yeah i can see that like i'm yeah. i'm excited to see that actually yeah yeah and then so and and you're going to be doing that one in january also so mm -hmm. it'll be like yeah. combined with both like the inner beauty and masculinity yeah nice and have you talked to your because so you're Mom has seen the inner beauty one and understands like the significance of it for you. Have you talked to your dad about what you're planning for the second one or is it going to be, you're going to get 
it completed and then tell your dad. <laughs> I know with the first one, I kind of just like apologize later. No. Yeah. I think I did the interview with him two weeks ago. So. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So awesome. And then you've got one more thing kind of on that that's in, in the works and it's a, it's a cabaret. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. I, I'm super excited about this. I, I moved back to my parents' place at the start of COVID and somebody else from New York moved back and we were, we'd been planning to like move in together and all that jazz. And during the summer, somebody asked us to do some cedar siding for the garage. And this woman over lunches, she would buy us lunch in between us putting up cider fencing and be like, how can I help you in what you're doing in arts? Like, is there anything of my resources that I can give to you in order to make what you want to do happen? And I'm like, what? And she owns a fine art gallery downtown, quarterly in Idaho. And she just offered up the space to me to do anything that I want to do in it in the off hours. And so this is drawn together arts, which is doing performance art at the intersection of fine art. So what I, I think the most fulfilling work that I got to do when I was in Seattle was doing a cabaret with two other friends where we just got complete artistic control and we got to sing the songs that we wouldn't normally be able to sing um, and create our own characters and like handle the lights and the set and the costume, like being a part of that process, which was so much work, but so gratifying, just rewarding. So I'm like, how can I create that here? We want to do concepts that kind of intersect fine art in some way. So a cabaret, like an example would be a cabaret around the idea of the muse or the idea of perception, like how when you look at something like an abstract painting, someone else is going to see something different than the artist or the gallerist or another person looking at it. So exploring those ideas through musical and jazz and that sort of stuff. So that that'll be starting fingers crossed this fall in September. And then, so the idea would be to quarterly produce a show. Two of those would be experimental cabarets and the other two would be plays that talk about art themes. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I, I'm curious. You said that like when you were in Seattle, you did one with two of your friends and that you could sing songs that you're not normally allowed to sing. What kind of songs are you not normally <laughs> allowed to sing in the theater? <laughs> I guess that like normally wouldn't get to sing like songs that you've been working on that it wasn't like we were doing like really, I don't know, risque, weird songs. Although I love those. I want to do those. But it was just like songs that we really like to sing. And if you're doing a show, you're allowed to do what's in the show so <laughs> that's fair that's fair so one question that i that i have like i've, I've never been to Coeur i've only been to mountain home the air force base that's in idaho so that's oh, like wow. i don't, I don't the, know what that is the limit of my of my my idaho experience but what is it like what is it like producing art in idaho like i because i just don't i don't know enough about it um to yeah. feel informed um so are you talking about in like, like culturally, what is it be appropriate to present in Idaho? Well, so more like, okay, this is oh, like, is this a, is this a roundabout question? Are you trying to ask me something? <laughs> well, no. Okay. So like, 
like I have preconceived notions about like middle America, right? Like I live on the coast. I've always lived on the coast or a coast. And so I just assume that like middle America is a little bit closed to queer people just in general. That's my, you know, my experience has been like when I, when I am away from the coast, I don't feel as comfortable. And so I'm just wondering, like, what is it like for you to like, cause I know you grew up there. So obviously you have a lot of kind of background on on how to deal with people there and just like how does it affect what you create and how you create oh oh man this is a and and this will be like the last question so yeah i feel um, like yeah how much time do you have i think i would say it was very difficult coming back because i grew up here but i spent time away and it was almost like culture shock coming back to just a very maybe closed-minded but it just seemed heightened because of what was happening political that things that I see are war aware of came out of the woodwork. And I was like, Oh, I didn't, I don't remember seeing this when I lived here. And so it was, it took very, it took four or five months of being kind of hitting a wall of being like being judgmental of people and kind of putting people in boxes and putting myself in a box. I think, I think that that whole process just is not good are healthy for both parties so i realized that i was also a lot a lot of fault because i wasn't holding space for other people and their experience so i think the people i surround myself with even if it's like people that don't agree with the things that i agree with they're people that can hold space for me and i can hold space for them and so that being that being said, when I came back, I felt a damper on my art creating because I felt kind of reacting against instead of being inspired by. And I don't think that's, I would argue that reacting against isn't always the best place to make things out of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, um, I, I certainly think that there's there's a place for rebelling through yeah. creation, but I don't necessarily find that that's the most rewarding way to create personally. So yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love rebelling. I love like <laughs> challenging the process and shaking people up, but I want to be inspired by that rather than I have to like force something on yeah. someone, you know? Yeah. That totally um, makes sense. So I, I feel really inspired by challenging people i i I kind of like that the subversion of cabaret are like burlesque where you can hold people's attention and then slip something in there that they didn't expect or causes them to look at life a little differently and so i also like that maybe it's an audience that i have to be a little bit more um like tentative with because i think that's when that's where you're going to produce something good. Like if you sideswipe someone with a deep thought or with um, how a queer person really is that they didn't, they've never experienced before, that should be your target audience. It shouldn't be like all the people that are always on your side that are always going to support you. So I'm kind of, I'm excited to ride that line of how do I still keep people engaged, but still shake them up. Nice with cabaret, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a great place to to end on because I think that's a that's a great sentiment. Um, you know, I, I think 
great art challenges and it sounds like you're making great art. So I'm excited. I'm excited to come and witness it. So I definitely would love to have you. Yeah. Definitely keep me in, in the loop because I will, I will drive out. I love car trips and road trips. And so, yeah. Yeah. Show you some hikes. Yeah. I love hiking too. So, (laughs) uh, so that's perfect. Yeah. So I just wanted to thank you for your time and give you an opportunity to let everyone know where they can find you online, either the Bedsheet Chronicles or the Drawn Together Art Cabaret, if you have any information that you would like to share. Great. Yeah. Thank you. On Instagram, you can follow the Bedsheet Chronicles at BS Chronicles and on Facebook, it's the bedsheet chronicles and for drawn together arts you can follow the art spirit gallery on facebook or they have a website also nice and i'll put links to all of that in the show notes so you can find that at gazemakingpod.com slash 103 and yeah i just wanted to thank you again for your time this was a fantastic conversation and it's always good to see you and i We'll definitely see you in the future. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And thanks for the the good questions. Make me <laughs> think about these things from different angles. And yeah. I love it. All right. Well, this has been Gaze Making. I am I am Grayson Hay, and I will see you next time. Bye. Gaze Making is a Party Fish Media podcast hosted and produced by Grayson Hay. Intro and outro music by Curtis Skinner. Party Fish, Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.